Well, I hope that you're at home, you've got your best clothes on, you're all excited about this Easter morn. It will certainly be different than uh, about any Easter we can imagine. Uh, last year, I got to go to Israel, and uh, so many things about that trip has forever changed me. And uh, one of the things I heard that uh, as of the Passover, they were going to uh, close everything down. There was going to be nobody driving, nobody out of their houses. And they said that has not been done since the ten plagues, which is when uh, Pharaoh was made to let God's people go. And they were to go inside the house and uh, put the blood on the door. We've been going through a, a series called The Rescue. And uh, I had thought that this morning I would just come and I would just simply talk about the resurrection. But I, I really felt like I had to go back and I had to talk a little bit about this rescue. As many of you know, it, it seems like a month ago, but just last week, on a Saturday morning, we finished up 24 hours of hope. And certainly hope is not just gone, that it came and it was gone in 24 hours. But it was something we felt led to do at our church here that we were tell people in these dark times, there's definitely, definitely hope. And we wanted to encourage people. And so we reached out, knowing it would be very difficult for us to do by ourselves. We reached out to a lot of other churches in our community. And a lot of the pastors and their, their worship team and different ones came. And we put this together so very quickly. And I've never seen our community work together any better than it did in that 24 hours. Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people watched that. Uh, I don't know the latest count, but it just blew my mind. And people are still sharing it and watching some of the sermons on there. But if you were to go to gcclive.com, you could find these sermons as well as the series we're doing on the rescue. The, the thing that I think that's become very, very important to me is the fact that... Uh, the Bible, the Bible is a book that is telling us basically one story, one story. And uh, during the 25 hours of hope, I talked about the Bible being 66 books, not just one book. It's 66 different books or was scrolls. And it was written by 40 different people, 40 different people over 1500 plus years these people existed on three different continents they spoke three different languages and the amazing thing about this story is most of these uh, the, a good portion of them did not know each other at the time of writing they didn't know what the other one wrote and if you could go anywhere in the world and find 66 books over 1,500 years in three different languages that's told one flawless story, I'd like to know what that book is. I'd like to really know what that book is. I know over a period of time they put these books together, and we call it the Bible, but I think it's almost more impressive as 66 books. And so I talked about this rescue code red. I talked about how 
the virus just seemed like it started covering all the maps around the world. And the, the little virus, uh, COVID-19, was red. So it looked like the entire world was turning red. And uh, the fear and the darkness and the hopelessness and the isolation and us being uh, forced to stay in our homes and all that we've experienced, uh, it, it's, it's been a, a very unusual time. I'll never forget when I was a kid, I lived in Florida, and in Florida we had uh, something that happened ever so often. We kind of got used to it after a while, but it was hurricane. We'd have a hurricane season. And hurricane season, different than a tornado, a hurricane, you know it's coming, you can prepare for it, and then there comes a certain time. If it's a bad enough hurricane, you would get together, a lot of the families would get together, whoever had the best home. And if it was a really, really bad hurricane, we would all go to a school building or a place that was like they used to call a bomb shelter. But it was a very strong built school. And I remember as a child, Hurricane Donna was coming and our family, we all got all our stuff together, different family members, grandparents, parents, relatives. And we went to Lena Vista School. And we were to be there all night because this, this hurricane was coming in. And so we get there and, you know, they got all these little cots and we press, bring little things from home to sleep on. And there we're there and there's our whole community. We're just spread out all over this whole school. We're in the hallways and us kids know other kids. And it was kind of a great time. We was playing cards and we was playing people putting puzzles together. People were talking. And then about midway through... We all, they started going toward the door. We went outside and it was bright, bright sunshine. And I go, it's over, it's over. And they said, no, it's not over. This is the eye of the storm. And you could see just the beautiful sunshine. And then the wind had been going in one direction. And as we got to the eye, began to start getting darker again. The wind began to go the other direction. We were getting the backside now. And uh, we went back in, and we could hear the buildings shaking. You know, we could hear all. But us kids, it's like when it was over, like, oh, no, it's over. It's like we didn't want it to be over. We did, you know, many didn't want it to happen. But when it happened, then we were saying, I wished it wasn't over. I'm starting to wonder when this uh, virus, COVID thing is over. And it's time for parents to go back to work every day. And the children eventually go back to school. I wonder how many is going to wish it wasn't over. Because I see families getting together. I see them taking hikes together. I see them playing cards together. I see them playing games together. And it reminds me of that time when I was a kid. Like, oh, yeah, we're missing something else but this is something we 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 were missing we didn't know we were missing family time i'm amazed at how god put the bible together and made it as simple enough for a child god from the very beginning when adam and eve sinned he uh, he come to them and they tried to cover themselves up with with fig leaves and uh, that was not adequate and so he killed a lamb killed a lamb and he took and he made garments out of the lamb and that was the first blood that was shed 
But then we, we see these different writers from time and time, and I shared some of this. You know, there they would come a time, he even told Abraham, he said, eventually God's people are going to go down to Egypt, and they're going to be put into, uh, they're going to be in Egypt slavery for 430 years, and there's going to come a time that your people will be led out, and you'll go to the promised land, and all, all the things that God told. We find out the Bible to be very accurate. Everything God said would happen, happened. He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises to Abraham. He told one day there would be the seed of a woman that would bruise Satan's head and there would be a rescue. So the whole Bible is a rescue story told, like I said, by 40 different authors that didn't even know each other in this story. And so we get to, we get to Exodus and we find this book and they talk about if they put the blood over the doorpost. One of the things that's happened during this plague of the covid 19 is there been the red door movement where people have taken and decorated their doors and most of them use something red they've been very creative some just put a cloth over their door some uh done uh you know just put a, a cloth over the door some put crosses some put flowers but it seemed like everybody that touch of red that you know and the thing is about this the red being on the door it didn't matter who was inside, if the blood was on the door, the death angel passed over. We've got somebody made one for our church doors. Allison, it's very beautiful, and it's hanging there. We've got one at our house. I know a lot of people have made them. I've seen them on Facebook, the blood. We bring ourselves back to this thing, this, this blood, and then the stories, the Jewish Passover. What is Easter about? Is it about Easter basket? Is it about toys? Is it about eggs? It is, and I'd have to say yes, it's about all of those things in a way. The Jewish Passover, as Christ was crucified and resurrected during the Passover week, Christ is believed by Christians to actually be the Passover lamb spoken of in Exodus. For he himself became the perfect, the sinless, the sacrifice for the sins of all people. The lamb was customarily slain at 3 p.m. See, the Christian scholars believe that the Old Testament is Christ concealed. It's there, but it's concealed. You've you got to know what to look for. It's concealed. While the New Testament is Christ revealed, he's being revealed. You know, I thought about churches. There's some churches that... Everything is geared to the every week communion, the Eucharist, the having that communion. And when I really think about it, every single story from old to new testament, the new covenant in my blood, blood covenant, like Jonathan and Dave, this this story is is really all about this covenant. It's about the communion. It's about the blood of Jesus. Over and over again, it's the love. The, the lamb was customarily slain at 3 p.m. on the Passover. Jesus uttered the words, it is finished. To tell us that it is finished. He died on the cross at 3 p.m. What are the odds that this would happen? The festival of the unleavened bread began at sunset. One of the rituals involved the sacrifice of the grain offering, representing the first fruits of the harvest. Jesus, according to the Apostle Paul, became the first fruit of those raised from the dead, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It says if Jesus was raised from the dead, then we can be raised from the dead. 
And so during the Passover dinner, there's three matzahs. I had made this uh, last night, and this is kind of like the communion bread that they had back then. It was rather flat. It was unleavened. And if you'll see, it's kind of burnt because they, they took little branches and laid it over the fire, and they would lay this down on it, and it would cook. So you would get the fire coming in between the branches, and it would have this striped uh, look to it. So I don't know if you can see it at home, but it's got a lot of little stripes on it. And it'd have a hole in the side of it. It would have a hole in the side of it. The, the matzah bread, the unleavened bread. And, and, and what would happen, this, this bread, there would be three of them. And one would be representing the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And after they held the one up that represented the Son, they would take it and they would wrap it in white. And they would just put it in a white linen and they would lay it back down. It's kind of strange, right? All these stories that we hear of in the Bible. And, but this, this, uh, the, 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 it said, this is my body broken for you. The middle matzah is also striped and pierced as Jesus was during his crucifixion. And as was prophesied, Isaiah 53 and 5, Psalms 22 and 16, and Zechariah 12 and 10 all talk about this. The matzah is the, then wrapped in a white cloth and hidden, just as Christ was wrapped in a linen and laid in a tomb. Could all this be coincidence? We know that Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts 9 as an eyewitness of Christ, Paul made it abundantly clear that without the resurrection, there was no basis for faith in Christ. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also in vain? 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 29. I believe it is. I believe if Christ is not risen, we should totally do away with churches forever. Forget the communion. Forget church, online or otherwise. If Christ be not risen, there is no reason to even have a faith or practice it in any way, shape, or form. So I believe Paul's right. When Christ was born, he fulfilled a number of Old Testament prophecies. So all these writers over 1,500 years, they were writing about a birth that would take place concerning the Messiah. By the time of his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, he fulfilled 300 more prophecies. These were things people wrote that didn't know each other over 1,500 years in three different languages on three different continents. And they're telling the story about his birth. And they're telling the story about his death. They're telling the story about his resurrection. They're telling about the stripes he would take. They're telling about the spear that would be in his side. They're telling about the thorn that would be upon his head. They're telling the entire story flawlessly. So, you know... The numbers alone provide staggering evidence that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. So it was a good reason 
So it is with good reason that Christians the world over regard Easter as a special event. But in the early days of the church, most Christians were Jewish converts. Because Jesus was crucified and rose again during the Passover season, their celebration of Christ's resurrection was acknowledged during the annual observance of the deliverance from bondage in Egypt. And so they kind of carried the old uh, traditions of the Passover. But Jesus really become, he was the answer. He was the blood on the doorpost. Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he said, if any man will open that door, I'll come in. And so Jesus, it was his blood that was shed. The lamb, he's the lamb of God. And so we, we look at this Story And so the thought of the sermon today is that examining the sacrifice is another thing they did. Examining today the sacrifice. Uh, and it, it tells us when the time had come. You know, there's, there's some other prophecies in Scripture, and the time is coming. We're getting closer and closer to the time that is to come. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and scattered them in the way. And the multitudes that went before them and they followed and they cried saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21, 8, 9. Did you know outside of the woman at the well, Jesus had told no one else that he was Israel's chosen redeemer? Come to redeem them from their sins. The disciples had known it, but they had only known it by divine revelation. One time Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus told Peter, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly father revealed this to you. One time the demons told of his identity. Have you come? Is this the time you've come to cast us out? And talked about his deity and his identity. He commanded them to tell no one. He told them his time had not yet come. For everybody to know that he was the Messiah. But on this day. On the triumph entry into Jerusalem. It was time. It was time for everybody to know. That yes he was the Messiah. And now presented himself to the multitudes as the Messiah. The Redeemer. He was in town to be seen by the crowds. Examined by the people there, and then to be crucified. See, Jesus was and is the Lamb. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, not just a person or our family or a tribe or a nation, but Jesus is the final Lamb that will take away the sins of the world. This was more than a title. He carried a great amount of prophetic significance. Before the Lamb could be sacrificed, it had to be examined. No imperfections were allowed. The lamb had to be perfect, spotless, to be qualified as a sacrifice for sin. It took them three days, three days of examination. Three, they examined him for three days. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight. Exodus 12, 3 and 5. But they were to bring that lamb in, and they were to get to know that lamb, and they were to make sure that lamb had no uh, spots or blemishes of any kind, that it was perfect. 
Everyone took a lamb. The good men did. And the bad and the rich and the poor and the large families and the small family. Each family had to find the best lamb possible. The lamb was observed three days, then slain and eaten. Of course, the lamb represents Jesus of the Passover. He's the Passover lamb. Just as the children of Israel went from eating the Passover lamb to crossing the Red Sea, we also accept our, as our Savior the past, we're passed from death to life. That's what we understand through baptism. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. We too enter into eternal life, and our enemies that held us in, old, in our old life are drowned behind us, just like they were from Egypt's bondage after they applied the blood and they were led out from their bondage. God met man at the sacrifice. I want you to get this. If his offering be burnt, a burnt sacrifice, the herd let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will. Salvation is whosoever will. It's a volunteer. You, you volunteer to come to God. He said, of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Leviticus 1 and 3. The sacrifice was brought to the priest where it was examined. Again, the owner had watched the sheep for three days and found it had no blemish. The priest gave the final examination. And the approval for the lamb to be used for a sin offering was then given permission by the priest. Jesus was not only examined by the multitudes for three years. And found without blemish. He was also examined by God. And you remember at the uh, baptism. He said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But uh, of his own. Notice the person offered the sacrifice. Without being made to or coerced. Uh, it was of his own voluntary will. Salvation can never be forced on anybody. The gospel is for whosoever will. But when a person did offer a sacrifice. When they did offer a sacrifice, God promised to meet them at the door of the tabernacle. Where the sacrifice was made, God met man. God has always met man where the sacrifice is made. And so where was the ultimate sacrifice made? The cross of Jesus Christ is where God met man. And the veil was rent from top to bottom. Meaning that we had full access into the very presence of God. We could come boldly to the throne of grace. Because the penalty of all our sins had been taken care of. The cross is where man meets God and God meets man. On his own, man can never approach God. We would never be righteous enough. Righteous God can never meet with a sinful man. Something must stand between or draw them together. What unites God and man is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The offering represents the desire for purity. You need to bring a, a, a blemish, uh, uh, one without any blemish, lame or blind or any of those things. Because it represented what you wanted to become. So as we accept Jesus as our sacrifice, we can become what he is. Then they would offer a lamb. They'd offer the sacrifice. Jesus was not only the perfect sacrifice for God, but also for us. He is everything we desire to be. He is the spotless. He's spotless without regard of sin, sickness, so that we can be a whole spirit with him. Even the baptism of John, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All this time, Jesus has been examined. Did you know that Jesus went through three trials? 
And you know what they'd say? I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Everything that you see leading up to this in Scripture keeps telling us that Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is even better than any earthly lamb. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifies for the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot of God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God? The sacrifice was examined, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from aimless conduct, received tradition from your fathers, but the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish or without spot. If we come as a sinner for salvation or a believer for forgiveness of something we've done of sin, God does not examine us. It's the most powerful thing as I study this. God does not examine us when we come to him. He examines the lamb. And the lamb is Jesus. That's why we can come just as I am. Just as I am, I can come to him because he's not going to examine me. He's going to examine the lamb. And the lamb is Jesus Christ. And he is spotless. And because of Jesus Christ, I can have eternal life. And so you you can just imagine Jesus... Uh, we're we're going to around here take communion. But can you imagine Jesus holding this up? And he, he, he takes it and he breaks it. And he said, and here it is. It's got stripes on it. And it's got a hole in its side. Jesus had a hole in his side. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he broke it. And he said, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Not in remembrance of Egypt anymore, but in remembrance of me. Jesus, it was going to be his blood that opens up the door. It was, it was Jesus that caused the Passover lamb, the, the death angel to pass over. It was Jesus that would be the healer. It was Jesus that uh, he was made sin for us like that serpent on, the, on this pole, that cross that they had to look to if the, the snakes were biting them. And they could turn and look to Jesus and they could be healed. It was, the, it was like the, uh, the woman in the Bible that uh, she was going to participate in helping God's people. In uh, the Jericho walls, they said, throw the red ribbon out of your window there. And when, the, when, when, when this shaking comes and when the walls come down, nothing will happen to you. If you look today, the Jericho walls are down, but there's one window there. I guarantee you that's the window that woman put that scarlet thread out of. It's always been, all the way through Scripture, that the blood of Jesus... It's what makes us whole. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want the worship team to come back up and they're going to sing a few more. And I'm going to close out. I'm going to close out on a note of a way that you can tell this story to your, your children and make it fun, I think. But I want you to stay with me as we do this closing about the wonderful, powerful blood of Jesus Christ and what he's going to do in our life. As they're coming, I want to participate in this communion. Can you imagine year after year, day in and day out, Jesus would take the bread and it looked like this then. This is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat. They would eat it. He said, this is my blood, 
This is my blood that was shed for you. Take drink. Can you imagine how many times God's children did that over and over and over again? Now, later in the New Testament, to be revealed that all of those times was talking about Jesus. All of those lambs were talking about Jesus. All of those stories were talking about Jesus. All the things written in the Bible were talking about Jesus. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. There's no way to come to God except through Jesus, folks. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all the lessons you showed us throughout the Bible to teach us that you are the way, the truth, the light, that you are the bread of life, that it's through your blood that we're cleansed. And God, it's not us that's going to be examined. It's the, it's the Lamb of God. It was his spotless blemish, body without blemish, that paid for my sins. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling today. Amen and amen. Let's sing a few more songs and we'll close out with this last part here.
you 
it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. like a hurricane, I am a dream. 
grace is in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all sinking well heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way Thank you, Lord. We are going to finish up here. I got to thinking about children, and uh, my wife, she done homeschool like five years with our kids, and a lot of the parents have been going through this homeschool. And I thought about Easter may be different. Parents may not have been able to get out and get some Easter baskets and. I wanted to kind of shine some light on some things you could do. I'd read uh, this lady, she took an Easter basket. And she took and she had her kid take some rocks. And they painted the rocks. You might could take one and paint it as a little sheep, a little lamb. You could take a rock and you could paint on it a, a little tomb that he came out of Talk about some things in your life you wish wasn't there. You could paint some of them rocks dark like of sin. Paint a rock red like the blood of Jesus Christ. You could find some little twigs and kind of reminded you of the cross. Remember in school, because of the baby boom generation, uh, I got to first grade and there was not enough room in the school. And they go, well, a certain amount of students were going to send them across the street to a Baptist church. And there was one condition we need to know. It'd be all right with your parents that it's going to be a missionary there that's going to be, be your teacher. And so my very first year of school, the little boy, I, every day I got to hear a missionary story and I got to hear stories about Jesus. And I remember by the time I went over to the regular school, they asked us to draw something. And I drew, I drew three crosses as a little kid. I drew a cross in the middle was the tallest and it was... It was red. And the one on uh, over here to the side here was a black cross. And over here was a white cross. And like other kids was drawing trucks and cars and butterflies. And she said, what in the world are you doing? And I said, well, the cross in the middle represents Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for us. The white cross is the man that said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And the black cross was the man that. He just cursed the Lord and he chose not to accept him as Lord. And I told her that little story. 
I guess early on I could tell God was trying to do something in my life. I failed first grade, but by the time I got to fourth grade, I, parents took me to a revival and I got healed. I had a speech impediment, I got healed. And because then again of the baby boom generation, schools were crowded. They said, we're going to take so many students and move them to sixth grade. If you survive, if you make good enough grades in sixth grade, you get to stay. Out of quite a few that went, I was one of the few that got to stay. I always felt like God gave me back the year that I lost. And yet I got to hear mission stories every day about God and His love. But you know, as a parent, your obligation to teach your children is not really the church. If we could never have church anymore, your children could be really taught by you. This afternoon, you could get something, some juice of some kind and a cracker, and you could have communion with your kid. I heard this story. This lady painted all these little different things that reminded her in Scripture that she wanted to tell her kids, and even some things that they felt like shouldn't be in their life. And she hid them, and she'd have the kids go around, and it wasn't eggs. It was rocks. And so as the kid kept finding, they said, this basket is heavy, it's heavy. And she said, yeah, you've loaded it down. And that's kind of like the burdens in our life. If we don't give everything to Jesus, it becomes heavy. And you could have a little cross in there. But you could tell the gospel story. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing that you could tell the gospel story through an Easter basket? And you could talk about these heavy burdens and sin that we go through in life. The children's class back there, I went back there last year, they gave every kid a lamb. Here's a little guy with a lamb in his arm. The Chinese language, their Chinese language for flood is eight people in a boat. Written 3,000 years before the Bible came out. Their picturesque word for righteousness is a lamb for a man. It's a lamb. How did they know? I was thinking about if you'd done that, you know, you'd do that. Just talk about the blood of Jesus. And no matter what we've picked up along the way, no matter what we've done that we're not pleased with in our life. It's all right. It can all be covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you could take a little garment. You could have a little prayer with your kid, your child, and. Lead them to Jesus Christ. Talk to them about their sins. Ask them to ask Jesus Christ to come in and forgive them of their sins. And you could just cover that up. You know, we get do that this week. And the beautiful thing is, it'd be neat that on Easter morning when the kid runs in and takes this off, all of this stuff is gone. And there's the eggs and the candy and the toys and all the exciting things that kids want anyway why don't we take back why don't we take back the things of God why don't we take back those things and say from now on these are going to be God things I, I got to think in that another thing you could do with your kid later on that day you know they learn as we do stuff with them I got this little kite, and I'd heard a story one time about this kid. 
he was flying his kite, and he really purposed to let all his string out. He wanted all his string. And the kite, it flew way, way up in the sky, and it had already begun to get dark. And they, the kid, you couldn't even see the kite anymore. It was just so far in the air. And you could just, clouds, and it was dark, and you couldn't find it anymore. It's up there. And some guy said, little boy, how do you know the, how do you know the kite is still up there? How do you even know? The little boy said, I still feel the pull on the line. I still feel the pull on the line. You know, a lot of people would wonder, how do we even know that God exists? Know about you, but it's an experience. It's a faith experience. I still believe. I feel the tug on my heart. I feel that tug on the line. I still believe it, though I can't see him. I know he exists. I know his word is true. Did you know that nobody, none of the disciples really you know, they walked with Jesus and they did not really believe that he was going to resurrect. Because, see, their messiahs didn't die. The group of women, you know, the women that went down, they were not going down to see if he got resurrected. They were going down to embalm the body of Jesus. Jesus rested on Thursday night and by Friday he was dead and buried. They were going to embalm him because they had to hurry and just partially embalm him and put him in a tomb. And they went down to ask for his body and they were going to finish embalming him. And they'd put their spices and all this together to properly do it right. And they got down there and his body was missing. They had watched Jesus die. They had seen it. They went to embalm him. They didn't believe he was going to be resurrected. After the Passover, they decided to try to get inside of the tomb and, and take time to do it right. And as we go into the story, Luke, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Jesus' closest followers appeared in the empty tomb. Not a single one of them was assuming that he was resurrected. John's gospel said, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples of Jesus and, that loved him and, and said, They have eaten they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where he's been put. See, they didn't say he was resurrected. Somebody's taken his body. They didn't believe then. Jesus was a historical person. But messiahs don't die. None of them assumed the resurrection. They assumed everyone, assumed what everyone else does, Jesus would stay dead. After they told him both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter, John did, and he reached the tomb first and he bent over and looked in the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, with straight, uh, went straight to the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen, folded up there. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside and they saw you know, they didn't really believe. They went back and hid in their room. Some of them may have started thinking, well, I wonder if this is what he talked about. Is he really? But Jesus, Jesus, when he came to them, they had their doubts. Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And it said, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you doubt? 
Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Luke 24 and 38 through 40. They did not believe. The closest followers. Not the Beatitudes. Not people being uh, healed. Not walking on water. Not causing the wind to be still. None of those things convinced them that Jesus was the real deal. They did not believe. He said to them, this is what I had told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they understood the scriptures. And he told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The reason we believe Jesus rose from the dead isn't because the Bible tells us so. It's because of the testimonies of Jesus' closest followers. Did you know that Jesus' own brother said that he was the Christ and died? How about you? You got to do it pretty good to get your siblings. So the other day we had siblings' day, but when your sibling will say you're God, you've done something fabulous. They were skeptical until they saw his pierced hands and his feet. Peter later on, this Peter that denied the Lord three times, this Peter that said he never knew the Lord, this Peter that failed the Lord miserably, later on would die for Jesus. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How? How did we get this new hope? What's our hope based on? We've been given a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why the gospel is about the resurrection. This is the most amazing day. I can understand why the devil would love for all the churches to be closed. Because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is what kicked the devil upside the head with the heel of Jesus' foot. If you could ask Peter what is the foundation of his faith, he wouldn't say Jesus' teaching. He would say it's the resurrection. By dying on the cross for our sins, Jesus paved the way for us to have relationship with God. A relationship described as that between a father and a child. I was thinking about if you did take your kid out and you flew a kite up, you could tell him that story about the tug on the line, but you go... As you're looking up, they said one time Jesus went out with his disciples after he was resurrected. And he just started going up in the air and he went out of sight. And they kept looking up into heaven. Where'd he go? And an angel came down. Said, oh, men of Galilee, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? 
What you looking for? This same Jesus that you saw ascend is coming back again in like manner. Folks, he's going to come back again. Keep looking. Look, look toward the sky because our redemption draweth nigh. The full redemption of our full body. The resurrected body. Our loved ones that have died. It's powerful. But you know, here's something I'll leave you with today. Do something with your kid. You, you could think of something better than this. But this was something I saw online. I thought it was pretty powerful. Think of ways while you're with your kids to tell them about Jesus. Peter and the other disciples' faith wasn't tethered to an imaginary God who doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. That wasn't their God. If you've lost faith in God because of the evil or because of the epidemic or the plague or the suffering in this world, and if you've lost faith in God because your pain and your suffering, we want to invite you to reconsider something. I want you to reconsider something. The men and women who brought us the story of Jesus saw pain. They saw suffering. Some of the suffering we can't even imagine, yet they believed. They saw the worst things imaginable happen to the best people they knew. And their faith was in a God introduced to them by Jesus Christ, the God who invites you to address Him as Heavenly Father, our Father, Abba Father. It wasn't the teachings of Jesus that convinced Peter and others. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changed their lives. It was the resurrection that changed their life. I like how people take these times and these opportunities, these crisis times to turn it around. My daughter-in-law, Amelia, sent this to me. It was written in the, in kind of like Dr. Seuss, the virus that stole Easter. Christy both bother. I'm going to close with this. "'Twas late in 19 when the virus began, bringing chaos and fear to all people in the land. People were sick, hospitals were full, doctors overwhelmed, no, no one in school. Winter gave way to the promise of spring. The virus raged on touching peasants and kings. People hid in their homes from the enemy unseen. They YouTubed and Zoomed. Social distance and clean. April approached and the churches were closed. There won't be an Easter, the world, suppose. There won't be church services. Egg hunts are out. No reason for new dresses. We can't go about. Holy Week started as bleak as the rest. The world focused on masks and on tests. Easter can't happen this year, it proclaimed. Online at, and at home, it's just one won't be the same. Maudie Thursday, Good Friday, the days came and went. The virus pressed on. It just went, won't relent. The world woke up Sunday and nothing had changed. The virus still menaced and the people in strange. Poo-poo the saints, the world was grumbling. They're finding out now that no Easter is coming. They're just waking up. We know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then all the saints will cry, boo-hoo. 
that noise said the world will be something to hear. See, the world wants us to boo-hoo. The noise said the world will be something to hear. So it, so it paused. And they put their hands on their ears. And it didn't hear a sound coming out of the sky. They heard something. It started down low and then started to rise. But the sound wasn't of depression. While the sound was triumph. It couldn't be so, but it grew with abundance. The world stared around, popping its eyes. Then it shook. What it saw was shocking surprise. Every saint in every nation, the tall and the small, were celebrating Jesus in spite of it all. It hadn't stopped Easter from coming at all. It came. Somehow or another, it came just the same. And the world with its life quite stuck, stuck in quarantine stood puzzled and puzzling. Just how can it be? It came without bonnets and it came without bunnies and it came without eggs and egg hunts and cantatas and money. Then the world thought of something it hadn't before. Maybe Easter, it thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Easter perhaps means a little bit more. And what had happened then, well, the story's not done. What will you do? Will you share this with someone? Or two or three more people needing hope through the night? Will you share the source of your life in this fight? The churches are empty, but so is the tomb. And Jesus is victor over death, doom, and gloom. This year at Easter, let this be our prayer. As the virus still rages all around everywhere. May the world see hope when it looks at God's people. May the world see the church is not a building or a steeple. May the world find faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. May the world find joy even in this time of dejection. May 2020 be known as the year of survival. But not only that, may it start a worldwide revival. Amen. Coming back up. Reggie wrote a song a long time ago. Reggie Ham. As they're coming, the song has a line in it. All comes down to a man dying on a cross, saving the world, rising from the dead, doing what he said he would do. That's what it all comes down to. A man dying on a cross for our sins. I want to challenge you families. Let the world see what Christians look like with real, genuine hope. Lift up your head, our redemption draweth nigh. We're not serving this mystical, fake God that won't bring hope to our soul. No matter how dark it gets in this world, we have hope. As Job said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. If, my, if the, these earthworms begin to eat my soul, eat my body, yet I will see the Lord again. 
See, there is no battle that the resurrected King and Lord will not win among His people. Dear Heavenly Father, may this be the most special Easter ever. May we use it for every opportunity as a family to reach our children and our grandchildren for Christ. May we do like the Bible has done Bring object lesson after object lesson after story after story that talks about the rescue mission of Christ and the cross. God, we love you today. Please watch over our people. Watch over our loved ones, our saints. Lord, we miss them so much. We miss our church people. We, we would just love to hug their neck and be with them. Lord, we will be with them soon. Whether it be here or there, it's all going to be okay. Because Jesus is our blessed hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.